Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 22. We looked last week at the, uh, the most important commandment, the heart of the matter, the heart of all of the Old Testament, the heart of all life really is to have a love relationship with God Almighty, to love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, just everything in us to, to have this love relationship with God. And so each one of us needs to like think and, and ask ourselves, do we have that? Is there, is there a relationship between me and God? And, and then he says to also love your neighbor as yourself. And that kind of comes out of our relationship, love relationship with God. So we have our vertical and then we have our horizontal. And it's a picture of a cross. Really, it, it all came together at the cross. It all was made possible for you and I at the cross where greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends and, and Jesus laid down his life that you and I might have life. And so as we, as we have more and more of God in our lives, more and more love in our lives, it's a, it's a, a thing that, that love can grow. And, and maybe you're kind of feeling like, oh, I don't really have that. Why I, I, I challenge you and I encourage you to spend time with God and say, God, be honest with Him and say, God, I, I need more love in my life. I need more of you in my life. And you know what? I, I, I know that He answers that prayer. I believe and I've experienced that He answers that prayer. And and uh, we have up on the wall there, I don't know if you notice it, loving God and loving people, and it's part of what we, what we believe because of what Jesus said here, of course. But it needs to be more than just up on the wall, right? We can have plaques at home on the wall in our, in our houses, you know. Uh, as for me and my house, many of us have that up. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We got it up on the wall there. But who cares if it's on the wall, right? It's got to be in truth. Jesus said, worship needs to be in spirit and in truth. It has to be reality. It has to be real, not just something we talk about or not something, uh, the plaque up on the wall and that. So for us to, uh, to have a life in Him and live in God and, and live in His love, there's a, a scripture that says, you know, that we should keep ourselves in the love of God and allow Him to, to work through us, and that's supernatural. When, when there's a supernatural love inside of us. It's not natural. It's not just from us. Well, you know... We need, we need more than that. We need the Holy Spirit working in us. Today, I, I want to look at um, this next section here. And really, it's really about Jesus and that Jesus was more than a man. Jesus, after having been questioned by the Sadducees, the liberals, and then by the Pharisees, who were the legalists, he now kind of, he, he, he questions them. He turns the table. You know, he he quiets them down. They were silenced, it says, about the Sadducees. And he now questions them. And I think this is probably the right way that it should be, is that, that he's the teacher. He questions us. He tests us. He, he's the one that, that is to lead us and guide us. We don't do the same with him, although we try. Well, Jesus, don't you think you should really do this in my life? And God, don't you think it'd be better if, if you ran the universe like this? We have a lot of good ideas, don't you know you have people that come to you all the time and they tell you, oh, we really should do this, we really should do that, and you go, well, I don't want to do that. But, you know, we do that with God sometimes, I think. But we need to understand that He's the one that has the last word. He turns the tables. I don't know if you ever have arguments with people, but when you do, usually you want to have the last word, right? You feel like you've won if you had the last word, Right? Let's argue about it, because I'm going to have the last word. 
There's no question about it. But with Jesus, it's not just because he wants to, you know, in a fleshly sort of way, have the last word. It's because he is the last word. He is the summation of the, the truth. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he is the word incarnate. And so for him to have the last word, that's really the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it should be. So for you and I, we need to stop talking. At some point in time, we need to stop talking and listen and let him have the last word. What are you saying? I've been listening to a, a CD that I got recently, and the, uh, the, the, the words say, you know, speak, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. You have my attention. Speak, Lord, you have my attention. And, you know, you, we don't really, he doesn't really have our attention if we're just rambling on and on and on and talking. So, so he came to this, this place here, and this passage comes out of this, is, is really all about Jesus the Christ and, and all that he is, the greatness of the Son. Let's look at verse 41 through 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, <clears throat> What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. And he said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says... Verse 44, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You know, it's an interesting passage. And I, and I looked at it and when I was, you know, trying to, to uh, look how, you know, which, which uh, next section I was going to look at. I was going to kind of go over it quickly and then jump into chapter 23. And we could have done that, but as I got into it, really there's something about this passage that there's really so much there. It's so deep. It's, it's much more uh, powerful than just a, a, a first look at it is. In some, in, in some ways you look and you go, well, I don't even really understand what all that means, so let's move on to the next section. But one man said this, he says, to us this may seem one of the most obscure things which Jesus ever said, and it may be so. But he said, nonetheless, it's one of the most important statements he ever made, even if at first sight we do not fully grasp its meaning. And, and, and the, the truth of God's word, many times we don't see it when we first look at it, when we read it, but as we, as we stop to think about it, as we stop to meditate on it, and I'm not talking transcendental meditation, going into a trance or something. I'm talking about meditating on what the words say and, and, and asking God, well, what do they say? And what do they mean? And how do I apply that to my life? The, the inductive Bible study method, observation, interpretation, application. What, what, what are these words saying and what does that mean? And then how do, how do I apply that to my life? So in verse 41, it says there that he, the Pharisees were all there and... And, and Jesus asked them the question, and it's his questions that really matter. And so he asked them this question in verse 42, and it's really kind of an, a, 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 an ultimate, one of these ultimate questions. We saw the last section, the, the greatest commandment. Now there, here's a question, now he's turning it back to them and, and asking them this question. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? This bottom line question, like, what do you think about the Christ? Of course, in the big scheme of things, he's meaning, he's speaking about who? Himself, of course. But he asks them the question, kind of stepping back a little bit. 
And, and really, what, what is this about the Christ? And it kind of harkens back to chapter 16 where you recall uh, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, what about you? He says, who do you say I am? We know what other people say about Jesus, but he says, who do you say I am? And, and you remember what Peter answered, right? I'll read it for you. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We've already seen that back in chapter 16, but now he's talking to these Pharisees, these religious leaders who should, knew, who should know better, but, but you know, they had a problem. And so in this, in this um, section, this small section here, we have kind of these uh, four facets really come out of, of who Jesus is in this very small passage. Number one I want to focus on is, is this word Christ. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Now, what does that word Christ mean? Is it just part of his name? No. Well, it is part of his name, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Christ. We, we, we talk about it, and, and uh, I am so sad to say that the most time we hear that name is when people are using his name as, you know, like a swear word or some kind of, a, you know, exclamation. But, but there's much more to it than that. And again, it's this idea of, of hearing what the words say, and then what do they mean? Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus was his given name, right? Which it also has meaning as well. We're not going to get in that today. But, but this word Christ is equal to, Christ is the, is the Greek word, right? Christos, which is equal to the Hebrew word, which is Messiah or Mashiach. And, and what they mean, they're both the same word. And what they mean is anointed one, anointed one. That's important. We say, what is that supposed to mean? Basically, he is the one that was anointed to be the answer for all of mankind. The, the Jews were waiting for Messiah. They're waiting for the answer. They're waiting for the one that would, would come. Jesus, the anointed one, the answer. And, and I say it over and over because this is what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is the one for you and for me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There isn't a bunch of other ways. There aren't a bunch of other messiahs. There aren't a, a bunch of other answers for mankind. It's him, period. That's it for you and for me. The way to the Father, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. He said, what do you think about it? And, and this is the question. What do you think about the Christ? This is what matters in our life. Do you think he was, was just a man? Or was he who that... He was saying he was here in this passage and, and, and the rest of the New Testament brings out and then prophesied earlier in the Old Testament as well. Is he the one? In the Gospel of John, it says that Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, he was one of the first, he was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. And he said this, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. What did he do? It says this guy, John the Baptist had said, you know, there is Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and Andrew was one of John's uh, disciples, and John said, well, if that's the case, then I better go after him, and John let him go. But the first thing after, after Andrew realized who this guy was, he, it says he went and found his brother. And he says, we have found the Messiah, the Christ, the one that we've been waiting for, the answer. 
How many of you in your life, if you are a believer, somebody came to you and they said, you know what, I found the answer in my life. I found the answer for life itself. And it's found in this man, Jesus. You ought to check it out. And, and it says Andrew brought him to Jesus. A guy came to me and he says, you know what, I just want to tell you that I, I found something that, that you might be interested in. I found the answer. My life was was falling apart. This man, he was uh, on the verge of a divorce. His, his life was completely falling apart, and, and he, his, his life was radically changed. And he came to me, and I knew, I'd known him for many, many, many years. And he'd been kind of like an older brother to me. And he came and he said, you know, I, I, I found the answer to life. And he took me to a church, to a Calvary Chapel church. And I said, well, okay, I'll go. I'll check it out, but you're getting kind of weird on me. You know, I, I knew you from before and whatever, but I went. He brought me to Jesus. He brought me to a church. He brought me to people who talked about this man, Jesus. The answer, the Messiah, Lord, the Christ. But it gets down to that personal thing. What, what do each one of us, what do you say? What do you think about the Christ? Have you, have you understood him to be the answer, the one? And then, and then what about your family? What about your family members, and, 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 and have you, like Andrew, said to your family members, listen, I, I found an answer in life, and it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it gets, it gets a lot more other things come into it, but it's about Jesus. The next thing is he asked them, well, which, whose son is he, and what was their answer there in, uh, in verse 42, the second half? He said, the son of David. So he was Messiah, he was Christ, but, but he was also the son of David, and that's a, a, a pretty um, common phrase or name that he was called, the son of David, right? Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, they said son of David. It was one of the things that they said about him. And son of David means what? That he was a son in the line of David, right? He was in the descendant of David. He was a son of David. And so, yes, he is a son of David. He is in the line of David. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah, which is the, the, the family that David came out of. And Scripture makes it clear that Messiah would be of the line of David, right? So he was a son of David. And so they answered that correctly, but... but and, and, and knowing that, too, that he was, he, was, he was fully man. He was a son of David. So he was a Christ, the answer, but he was also the son of David. He was a man. And Isaiah talks about the fact that, that he will reign, speaking of Messiah, that he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Jeremiah says it as well. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, I'll raise up to David a righteous branch, a branch, a king who will reign wisely. Jesus, the Messiah, came along. He was in the line of David. Yes. Yes. However, it doesn't stop there. You see, I think, I think that's the deal here. He was saying to that them, and they answered correctly, but, but Jesus is going to go on to say, well, he was, he was that, but he was much more than that as well. He was not just the son of David. How many times, and, and people uh, just stop there. Well, that's all he was, the son of David, the son of man. He was just a man. He taught pretty cool stuff, I guess. You know, the golden rule, kind of a cool thing. 
Kind of a nice uh, saying, we could live by that or whatever. The weird, you know, uh, weird thing that people, you know, that look at him and um, you got to watch out for the internet. You know, it's got some weird stuff on there. I was doing a little research when I talked about Easter, about the resurrection. And I came on this website and it was like, all this stuff was like, was right on about the resurrection of Jesus. But, but the, re- the website was by a guy called Sai Baba. Have any of you heard of him? He is like this guru who is so far out in left field, but he had this truth. You see, he had a little bit of truth, but he, he went, he went and, and, and went all into these Eastern kind of trips, and he, he probably was, uh, you know, um, meditating in some kind of transcendental state when, when uh, <clears throat> he came up with a lot of these ideas. They're probably inspired by demons. But he had one bit of truth right, and, and uh, that's kind of how they get sucked in. But... But this idea of, of just one part of the truth, if, if that's all he is, then what good is it? If he's just a man, if he's just a good teacher, if he's just a wise man, if he's just one of the gurus, it's, well, there's no point. There's no point. I'd rather just be my own guru. If, if it's just a bunch of them and just pick and choose whichever one you want, well, just pick and choose yourself. But see, he's so much more than that. He's one that we can actually live our lives for and give our lives to. Jesus, the son of David, yes. Look at verse 43 again. He says, he said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, and he goes on from there. Jesus, it says, how then David, who is speaking by the Spirit, he calls him Lord, the, the, the third thing that we see in this passage. Yes, he was a son of David. David speaking prophetically about the coming of Messiah and, and he would be in his line in a sense he would be a, a, one of his descendants, a son of his, but here in this passage he says he calls him Lord. I want to stop for a second though and, and confirm one thing here about the, the scripture in the Old Testament here is that, that here Jesus is confirming that David, when he was speaking in that psalm that he's quoting, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. You see, the inspiration of Scripture, these aren't just words that man wrote, right? These are writings that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that's what Peter says as well. He says in in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, they were inspired by God. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to speak. That's 2 Peter chapter 1. The interesting thing, though, and Peter goes on in the very next chapter, of course, he he didn't write chapters and verses when he was writing this letter. But the very next thing he says is this, there, but there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And get this line here, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. He says that... <clears throat> that there were men of God, prophets, who were inspired by the Holy Spirit and wrote these writings. But he said also, be careful, be aware that there are false prophets. 
and false teachers who come along and, and they come up with all kinds of weird ideas, weird notions, weird doctrines, destructive heresies, he says here. But, but what is the deal about it? He says, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. You see, this is where cults, this is where cults primarily go wrong. Number one, number one thing that the cults, any cult will go off on, it's who is Jesus Christ. They start to get some weird ideas about that, and, and Sai Baba's got some weird ideas, and all these, these different cults, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the the Mormons, and, and all the different cults that are out there, they've, they've gone off. You see, like Peter said, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Of course, speaking about the cross and that, that He paid for our sins. The sovereign Lord. Be careful. Be aware. You see, these kinds of warnings throughout the the, the scripture to be careful, be, be careful what you hear, be careful what you listen, and always check it by what the scripture says. Always, always know what the Bible says. There should be like red lights that go off on our heads when we start to hear some kind of weird thing. We should, we should have this red light go off like, well, that doesn't sound like right. That sounds kind of like weird. That's kind of, that's kind of like something's not right about that. Let me go back and see if that's even in the Bible. Right? So the third thing there is, is the fact that he's Lord. He says, David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord. Not just the Christ or Messiah, the anointed one, the answer, but, and not just the, the son of David, not just a man, but also Lord, that he would be worthy of our obedience. Lord means Lord. You know, we call him Jesus Christ, Lord, our Lord and Savior. We call him Lord, oh Lord. We pray, Lord, Lord. We can throw the word around. But Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's like, that's, is that an oxymoron or is that just a contradiction? One of those two. Don't send me any emails about it because I, I won't respond. Jesus said in Matthew 7, we looked at this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, just say it like it's on the wall again, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only he who does the will. Who, 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 Lord is a true term. It's a real term where we, we ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not, Lord, let me tell you what you should do. That doesn't, that doesn't, right? That doesn't fit. Lord, then that, that makes us Lord, right? There's only one Lord. Denying the sovereign Lord who bought us. He says there in verse 44, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now you can look at that verse and go, wow, I don't, that's kind of... It's hard to understand, but when, when you, again, you break it down, he's speaking about the Christ, the Messiah, right? And he's quoting from Psalm 110, one of the Messianic Psalms. There's quite a few of them. And, and I didn't know this before, and as I, as I looked into this, that this particular Psalm, Psalm 110, is the most frequently 
uh, quoted Old Testament, uh, Old Testament text in the New Testament. That's a lot of words, but it's the most frequently quoted Old Testament text. So that makes it kind of important, right? If it's the most quoted, most often quoted, so there's something in here. So instead of just blasting over it, Jesus is saying you've got to pay attention to this. And this verse that he quotes is the most frequently quoted verse in the New Testament. This verse that he quotes, Psalm 110, verse 1. And it speaks about Messiah. It speaks about the Christ. It speaks about of all that he is. The, uh, the scholars call it Christology, the study of the Christ, all that he is. What is your Christology, we, they would ask you. What do you know about the Christ? He says here, the Lord said to my Lord, David speaking by the Spirit of God, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So let's look at that verse there. He says, the Lord, speaking about who? Speaking about God the Father, said to my Lord, speaking about the Messiah who would come. So the Father says to the Son, we know it in the Trinity, And we see, so in those two verses, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in verse 43, the Trinity, the Father saying to the Son, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. But David is also calling him the Messiah, the Son, Lord, right? So there's there's a whole lot in this about the fact that, that the 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 lordship of Jesus Christ, and then the equality with God the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all found here. One commentator said the Messiah is both David's Lord and David's Son, both God and man, found in this verse. Say, well, that's all like uh, book learning stuff. Well, no, it's, this isn't book learning stuff. This is reality of, of who is Jesus and who is he in your life and in my life? Is it just a concept or is he the true and real living Messiah? The son of David, our Lord, and as we'll see, the son of God. He says to him, the father says to the son, to the Lord, he says, sit at my right hand and, until I put your enemies under your feet. I want you to turn with me to he, the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at a few, a few passages there in, in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews coming before James, Peter, John, Jude, and Revelation. So that's about, what, six books before the end of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1. As you study the Bible, as you read the Bible, and, and, and it's just amazing how you have all these different writers. And again, this is one of the, the most incredible things about the Scripture. When you see how the, the writers of one book and what they've written, it, it all kind of dovetails together. It all confirms and, and works together. And here, look what the writer to the Hebrews says. In verse 1, he says, um, <clears throat> actually, let's jump down to verse 3. He says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand 
of the majesty in heaven. He sat down at the right hand. Isn't that what Jesus was quoting here? But it's way more than that, isn't it? The radiance of God's glory, the, the outshining of God's glory. God's glory, uh, you know, there upon the earth, the exact rep representation, God, Emmanuel, God with us, who came and died upon the cross for you and for me. How about Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2, Hebrews 12, verse 2, he says, Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand. Of the throne of God. The right hand of the throne of God is kind of an important place, right? Usually, who would sit at the right? But, but that person who had honor and authority would sit at the right hand. But he not only said that to him in Psalm 110, he said also that he would put his enemies under his feet. And look back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He said, but when this priest, speaking about Jesus, and, and you know, the, the greatness, the, the, this whole theme in the book of Hebrews is the greatness of the Son of God. Um, there's many other parts of it, but, but uh, that's one of the greatest themes of it. And, he, and so Jesus being our great high priest, greater than all others, he says in verse 12, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. He waits for his enemies to be made his footstools. Someone wrote that, that this is describing the final conquering of sin and evil, and that in those times... The conquered ruler was forced to actually put his neck under the foot of the triumphant ruler. They would physically do that, showing defeat and subjection. Christ waits for his enemies to be made his footstools, made his footstool. Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of David, Jesus Lord, David says. Let's go back to Matthew Chapter 22, in verse 45, if David then calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And the answer is that he's way more than just David's son. Now, that should be obvious. We've talked about it in so many different uh, passages, in so many different ways, that he's way more than just David's son. He is the son of God, the son of God. He must be more than a mere man. Let's read verses 45 and 46 one more time. <clears throat> it says this, If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And no one could say a word and reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Paul, 
Paul the Apostle, who was, uh, you know, quite uh, a studied man, he, understand, he understood these things. He understood these things that Jesus was speaking about that were found here in, in the Gospel of Matthew. But look at the first four verses of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We're going to see all four of these things, that, that Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Son of David, that He is Lord, and that He is also the Son of God. These four things are found here. Paul sums them up in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. He says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David. Right there, the son of David, right? And, verse 4, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead. The Son of God. How? By His resurrection from the dead. We've looked at that before. Jesus Christ, our Lord, He finishes it off. Jesus the Christ, the answer, the Messiah, our Lord. You see, it's all there. It's all summed up in those verses. Jesus answered these questions. And, and you know what? Sometimes we have questions too. And I think that we should honestly go and, 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 and sit before Him and, and ask what the, question, what the questions are. Ask Him the questions that, that we have. Maybe we don't understand something. Ask Him. I found in my life as a Christian there, that God is faithful no matter what. And there's sometimes he says, you know what? That's a little more than you can understand right now. And I have learned to, to say, okay, well, okay. And then, you know, as, as I've grown, you know, and, and you know, become uh, more understanding what God's Word says, then it becomes a little clearer. And, and, and things that I did not understand when I first became a believer become clearer when I, you know, later on in, in my Christian life and walk. But to ask the question, and he may say, well, let me explain that to you right now, right here. Look at this verse. So it's an ongoing relationship between us and him. I like what someone wrote, though. It says the, the complexities of this theological discussion were too much for the Pharisees. That's why they had no answer. He says that they were not ready to acknowledge the deity of this son of David. See, it wasn't that that it was too deep for them. It's just they were not willing to acknowledge and surrender to him. The deity of this son of David. The Jews listening to Jesus, they said, how did this man get such learning without having studied? And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. The things that Jesus taught, they weren't just the teaching of a man. They were the teaching of God Almighty. See, how do we look at that? How do we understand the Scripture? What, do we, you know, what is our, our, our understanding of, of what the Scripture is? The teacher who never attended the right schools confounds the greatest theologians in the land, one man said. So no more debate, no, no more time for games with them. They, it just silenced them, quieted them right down. And... and uh, 
You're either with him or not. You're either for him or against him. It's, it's just that, that's just the way that it is. We know in, in Philippians, Paul also said that, that God exalted him, that is Jesus, to the highest place, gave him the name that is what? Above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, that's what we've been saying here. To the glory of God the Father, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But it's better that we do it now while we have a choice rather than someone forcing us to do it. He's given us that choice each and every day. Do we bow before the name of Jesus? These, we know what their response would be because they would retaliate but they would retaliate no longer with words or arguments, but with violence when they put him to the cross. So who is he? Jesus said, what do you think about the Christ? Who is he? Who is he to you? Though, I want to point out, it's not what we believe or what we think doesn't really change who he is. Right? Right? But he asks us, what do you think about it? But just because if I think he's just a man doesn't make him just a man, right? If I think he's just a good teacher, that doesn't make him just a good teacher. He is who he is. The Christ, the answer, the one. The son of David in the line of David. Lord, to the glory of God the Father, the Son of God declared with power by his resurrection from the dead. Who is he to you? Who is, who is he to, to you and to me? What is this Christology, the, the, our, our conception of who Jesus Christ is? Warren Wiersbe, I'll close with this quote. He says, making a, a decision about Jesus Christ is a matter of life or death. He said, the evidence is there for all to examine, and we can examine it defensively and miss the truth, or we can examine it honestly and humbly and discover the truth, believe, and be saved. He said, the religious leaders were so blinded by tradition, by position, and selfish pride that they could not and they would not see the truth and receive it. He says, we dare not make the same mistake today. We learn from them that that's not what we should do, but rather to bow before Him and honor Him. Paul said in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Lord, our Heavenly Father, we bow, we come before you, and, and this is a lot of stuff. But you are way, way beyond even what we've talked about this morning. You are eternal, infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent. You are God. You are almighty, El Shaddai. Lord God, ruler, reign, reigning over all, creator. 
And for us to even think that we could go it alone without you. For us to think that we could just be apart from you is, is just sheer ridiculousness. It's insanity, Lord. And, and, and so we come and, and we say this morning that you are Lord. We confess with our mouth that you are Lord. We believe in our heart you were raised from the dead as we celebrated weeks ago. You are the answer. You are the Messiah. Not just for us, but for the whole world. And there are people that are hurting out there that are looking for the answer. God, we quiet our hearts before you. You're, you're, you're kind of asking us the questions. It's the way it should be. You're asking us, what do, we, what do we think about you? What do we think about Jesus the Christ? What have we, what have we, what have we uh, realized or not realized? What have we understood or not understood? What do we, what do we need that we might come to this full understanding of Jesus, the one and only way, truth, and the life?